0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Singularity One-on-One. Singularity One-on-One is a podcast feature of Singularity Weblog where you can go and listen to it or download it in full. As you may already know, my name is Nicola, a.k.a. Socrates, and as always, I will be the man with the questions. Today, I'm very privileged to have David Simpson as my guest on the show. David is the author of Post Human, his 2009 debut novel, as well as transhuman and the God Killers. He has a master's degree in English literature from the University of British Columbia and lives in West Vancouver with his wife, Jennifer. So hi, David, and welcome to Singularity One-on-One. Hey,
1: Nicola, and thank you for having me.
0: The pleasure is entirely mine, David. So without further ado, let's jump right into it um, with the first question, perhaps. Can you tell us how you got interested in writing in general and in writing science fiction in particular, and why?
1: Sure, uh, those are two really different answers. Um, writing in general is something that I, it goes way back. Uh, the, when I discovered I, I liked writing, it goes all the way back to the second grade actually. Um, and it was uh, an assignment that we were given by our teacher uh to uh write a chapter out of those little steward little books the those mouse books which i loved back then when i was a kid and something happened when i was uh when i was writing i wrote way more than any of the other kids in the class uh and uh you know i still get that kick i knew right then that this was something i loved it was like a, uh almost like a, a like a drug there was just so much stimulation for me that comes from writing I didn't know that I would be a a sci-fi writer, um, but I I think the reason why uh, it happened is because science fiction to me, um, uh, you know, I don't find it uh, to be somehow limiting. I don't think that because I'm a science fiction writer there's other things that I can't write. I, I think I write about the, you know, the biggest and most interesting concepts that I can think of. I, I'm, I'm very, very interested in, uh, in the future and in technology. Um, and, uh, and I guess, you know, post-human, that was directly uh, a response to reading a, an interview that uh, I found online way back in 2005 on uh, abcnews.com for Ray Kurzweil. Uh, Ray Wheel was uh, promoting uh, the Singularity is Near. It had just come out, and I, I was already, you know, interested in science fiction for sure. I, I was doing my, uh, I think I was doing my honors thesis, and I had incorporated a, a bunch of science fiction into it, which is unusual in English departments. Um, but when I read his interview, uh, the the whole plot of posthuman came to me at that moment, and uh, you know, a flood. It was it was great. I wrote down. Uh, the whole outline and uh, uh, I wrote the first chapter that night um, and uh, and that was all because of him. I'd never heard of him before that um, but as soon as uh, I read his vision for the future um, it just opened creative doors and so I'll probably be writing about that for a while.
0: That's That's a fascinating story. Uh, And I would like to go a little deeper into it. But before we do that, I'd like to set up the stage of the general idea first, uh, if we can a little better, uh, by asking you, what exactly is the the relationship between science fiction and technology, in your opinion? Uh, And was it uh, that that you had an interest in technology to begin with and then into science fiction, or was it the other way around? Uh, You know... Uh, it was
1: probably it was probably the other way around um you know i i am like uh, almost everybody i mean it's it's hard to find people that don't uh enjoy star wars and you know i uh i i was uh i was a science fiction fan i think up to that point and uh and i was just you know primed to be someone who is uh you know possibly a science fiction writer later because i you know i read a lot of comic books and Um, and they always dealt with a lot of science fiction themes too. But what really got me, you know, seriously considering writing science fiction novels was actually my education. When, when I was, um, uh, you know, reading in UBC for my first degree, for my, for my undergraduate degree, uh, you know, there isn't a lot of sci-fi, but when I was reading the sci-fi, that was the stuff that I was most interested in, um. And, you know, if it was uh, a dystopian novel, that's fine. It didn't matter. If it was something that was about the future and society and how technology might change things, Fahrenheit 451 is probably a really good example of that. Uh, then those were the, the works I was really drawn to. And then I got into uh, William Gibson, actually, because of that. It was through that. Um, there was a class where I was lucky enough that we did uh, Neuromancer. Uh, And then I I watched a a documentary that he did in in the year 2000 called uh, No Maps for These Territories. And that was the first time I'd ever heard about uh, nanotechnology and post-humanism. And and it just blew me away, just blew me away. So so that's where, um, you know, I started to see stories. Uh, but then it was just a little while later when I read that Kurzweil interview. That's when when a full story really came to me.
0: Uh, by the way, uh, it's it's amazing how you have uh, such incredible science fiction writers such as William Gibson in in Vancouver. So uh, I, I can see how that could be very inspirational, um, and and I'm a big fan of his. But um, so let's let's. Go from there. Who are your favorite science fiction authors? Then, who has had the most impact on you as as a as a writer?
1: Uh, I think I mean, there's a few that I really like. Um, it, I I really do like Gibson. I think Gibson's uh, fantastic. Philosopher. I think even if he wasn't a science fiction author, he'd be one of those guys that would just be absolutely fascinating to talk to for a while. That documentary uh, I talked about earlier, No Maps for These Territories, is him sitting in the backseat of a of a car for two hours, and then and, and there's 40 minutes of stuff they cut that they still put on the DVD. Just fascinating to listen to him. Um, but I I think as far as like uh, a science fiction author that has maybe influenced me or that I try to emulate a little bit. It's, it's actually probably Philip K. Dick. Um, I, I, I haven't read all of Dick's stuff, um, but, I, you know, I've read uh, um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep was the, was the first one that Blade Runner is based on. Uh, and I've read Minority Report, which is just a short story, and uh, a few others. But what I really liked about his work was it was, it was deep, but it didn't feel like it was deep. You know, you could really, really uh, enjoy it. Uh, he didn't write in a style that was cumbersome or made you feel like you were working to try and get through it. Uh, it was just fun right from the get-go, but yet he, you know, he didn't limit himself. He was dealing with, uh, with the biggest issues, um, you know, the issues that I think he thought were the most interesting to write about, and uh, I think that's how I write too. Uh,
0: you, you just touched upon the, the biggest issues uh, that one can write about. Uh, so let me ask you this. Is there an overarching theme spanning across the the books that you have written so far? Is there something uniting or, or a common thread that underpins them all? Uh,
1: yes, I, I do think so. Um... You know, the, my first two books are are posthuman and transhuman, and they're they're connected together. Uh, transhuman is the the sequel for uh, posthuman, but my third book is called The God Killers. And even though there are, I mean, it's it's science fiction. It, it, it's set in the present, and it's also I think it qualifies very much as as horror. Um, and and because they don't take place anywhere near the same time period and uh, and, um, and because they, they deal with different things, you'd think that there wouldn't be a unifying issue, but, uh, I think that there, that there is. And, and that issue is, uh, always about, you know, striving for more consciousness, uh, always. I mean, a, a repeated motif in post-human and transhuman is just, you know, waking up. Um, and, uh, with, uh, the God Killers, it's the, it's the same thing. I mean, the, the protagonists in that book feel as though uh, they know something uh, that most of the other people in the world don't know it and, uh, you know, it's, uh, that it's up to them to try and, and save the other people. So uh, it, in, in all the books so far, some sort of, you know, big oppressive force and the protagonists are, are battling against that. And and always it's about you know self-reliance and, and, and more consciousness.
0: So do you see yourself and your role as a writer in that sense then as a storyteller or as a futurist or as a philosopher and a teacher?
1: Uh, well, all of those <laughs> but uh, but I think as a teacher, I mean that's a that's a big one. Um, you, you know, the African writer Chinua Achebe says just very simply, writers are our teachers, and uh, I agree with that. I really do, and um, I think that the best works um, teach you something, and that's what what grounds them and makes them interesting, even if you don't realize that you're learning something. And I I don't really want my uh, readers to feel like my work is uh, pedantic or, or even that it's really didactic. I I want them to, to enjoy it. And I love it when, you know, people say that they, they read the books and they go through them very, very quickly. You know, they'll read them in a, in a, in a day or two. Um, and and they'll even describe them sometimes as light. Uh, and, uh, and I think like, "Ah, I did my job because, um, you know, they, they may not realize that they were exposed to actually some really deep stuff. And, uh, um, uh, and, and I do think that you can't really write, um, you can't really write a good book unless there's an idea that you're trying to get across to your audience. I mean, you really what you're doing is you're trying to communicate something. Um, and, uh, and what drives me and and gives me inspiration is thinking, um, you know, oh, I've got this idea. I've got to tell everybody. And, uh, and the way that I tell it, um, is through storytelling. And then, you know, uh, philosophy comes with that. Uh, there's a there's an awful lot of philosophy, especially in transhuman. I think, um, uh, and and then you know, being a futurist, I think, is maybe that's the lowest on the totem pole for me. Um, I, I try. I mean, I, I'm really interested in the future. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to dismiss that at all. Um, but in in the sense that I'm trying to say, oh, you know, by this time period, I think this will happen. I, I try not to do that. Um, you know, in posthuman and transhuman, I never do say what year it is because I find that um, if you do, uh, you always end up looking silly <laughs> later on. Uh, so I just like to say it's the future. Maybe it's 30 years from now. Maybe it's 100 years from now. But uh, but um, you know, these are elements that will be in the future. But you know, it's a possible future.
0: You know, you're the fourth of a sort of a series of uh, science fiction authors that, I'm, uh, that I've been interviewing. Yeah. Uh, the first one was Werner Vinge. The second one was Charlie Strauss. third one was Robert J. Sawyer. Yeah, uh, wow. And it's fascinating how each one of you um, has a, a different take on what it means to be a science fiction writer. For example, Werner Vinge's take on it was He's trying to make sense of the universe, and hopefully his work would contribute to other people by reading his books, also accomplishing that goal, making sense of the universe and where we're heading. Charlie Strauss, in terms, however, said that I think his words were... um, writing plausible lies about an implausible or improbable situation <laughs> and, and and analyzing the human condition under the microscope of that peculiar situation uh, whereas Robert J. Sawyer uh, has more of a philosophical and at the same time entertaining um, edge uh, but one thing that connects you all is the fact that all of you almost uh, underplayed the importance of futurism. So in other words, yeah. none of you sees their task as predicting the future, which is which is fascinating. Yeah, that is fascinating. Um,
1: I you know i'm not, I'm not really sure uh, why that is. i I guess um, you know we we probably. I, and I shouldn't speak for the for the other authors. Amazing authors, by the way. Um, but uh, you know, I uh, I think that it might be that we draw on the people that are really seriously working on futurism, um, and they inspire us. Uh, and I, I, you know, personally, I look at my job more as communicating. Um, uh, a message through story uh, that um, you know they're trying to communicate to, but uh, we're just doing it in a different way. And we're doing it in a way that I think is is very entertaining, um, and 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 also very natural. I think it makes it easier to digest for an audience. Um, you know, when you listen to someone give a lecture there's a certain segment of the population that's fascinated by that. I am, and I'm sure you are too. And then there's some other people that kind of, you know, tune out or might fall asleep. But if you say it in a narrative, um, you know, Al- Alistair McIntyre said that that man is essentially a, a storytelling animal. Uh, that's, that's what we do, and that's how we, that's how we learn, and that's how we understand things. We're always constructing narratives. So, um, you know, I'm inspired by the futurist I think about, you know, possible futures uh, um, a lot. Uh, you know, I've still got, there's there's books still to be written up here, you know, exciting things I can't wait to write. But um, but for me, it's storytelling and, and narratives that uh, that drives me.
0: Fantastic. So I think it's about time for us to jump into the meat of the matter here and start sure. talking about uh, something more specific, like uh, your novel, Post-Human. Okay. So... Uh what is it about? What is post-human about? Uh,
1: well, um, you know, from a, from a plot standpoint, uh, th- this is a, a book that's set at some point in the future. Um, and it's, uh, it's not a, a novel that's set, um, you know, post-singularity, as, as some people call it. It's, it's before that. But it is a future that's a lot different. And it was a future back in 2005 when I started writing it um, that uh, I didn't think very many people were aware of. And it's exciting to see more and more people uh, become more aware. Uh, But it was one that I thought was really compelling. So it's, you know, we have immortality, um, and we have uh, strong AI, um, and we have uh, people that have... um, incredible abilities. I mean, the, the nanobots uh, that they have inside of their bodies aren't just there to, um, you know, ke- to, to keep them young. They're, they're also there to make their lives, uh, you, you know, very attractive, actually. Very, very easy. I mean, you, you're, you're not cooking things for yourself. Uh, you're, you're not, um, you know, wanting an outfit and having to go to the mall. I mean, anything that you want, you can have, which sounds fantastic. You have an onboard mental computer, so there's no mobile phones or, or, or laptops or anything like that. Um, but there is a dark side in, in the novel, and that dark side is that uh, because everybody is connected that way, um, they're also very, very easily uh, monitored, and there's maybe uh, um, a tension between... All of the luxury that they get to live in, but then um, this lack of privacy that, that they also have. Um, and there's other issues that come up too, like space. We, I mean, we talk about, um, you know, one of the first things people will talk about when, you, when they uh, hear about immortality is, uh, but what about overpopulation? So in, in the book, the, the protagonist is uh, a terraformer, and they've already terraformed the, the moon, and they've terraformed Mars. Um, he's working on Venus at the, at the beginning. Um, there, there are intelligence upgrades that happen for the population, and uh, at, in the first act of the book, um, the, the five, you know, main characters that are, are working as terraformers on Venus, they get disconnected from the internet, they don't get their intelligence upgrade, and when they come back, uh, everybody is, uh, dead. Uh, gruesomely so, and, uh, and and that's the first act that gets the story going, and they have to figure out what what happened. And um, I I won't go any further into that, but there's but there are elements that uh, that are that are interesting. Um, uh, you know, it's only the first act. There's lots more still to come. Plus, you know, a whole sequel as well. So so it doesn't end there.
0: I think that's that's enough information to sort of uh, pique the interest of our viewers into into your book. Uh, hopefully. hopefully. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let me ask you this, though. Uh, so, in a way, this is um, a kind of an apocalyptic mm. sort of pre singularity or a soft takeoff singularity kind of a scenario in which four or five people who were away when the upgrades happened happened to be the only survivors on the face of the earth. Um so how is that different from say the, the Terminator or the the classical Matrix scenarios and what's what's different uh about your book?
1: Uh well I think that I mean I I agree that it's um it's a uh, it's apocalyptic um at least the first book and, and the inciting incident is really apocalyptic um, but I, I guess what I'd say is different is just that I, I think I am looking at different things I'm, I'm all over the place with post-human and with transhuman, human uh, because there's, there's so many um, conflicting visions of what uh, the singularity might be like or, or the time just before the singularity or even the time after the singularity and I uh, I think that uh, maybe unlike The Matrix, where it's you know it's we, we really only get one scenario throughout all three of the, the movies um, and uh, the first movie is one of my favorite movies by the way I think it's fantastic but um, with the Terminator, I, I think that that's pretty close to the the case too I mean they, they do you know the the last movie is set in the future but but really it's telling the the same, Narrative that there's you know these terminators that are are battling humanity and and that's it. Uh, with mine, I'm exploring a lot of different things. I mean the uh, the you know the the so-called uh, gray goose scenario um, and uh, you know the dangers of AI. Um, y- you know uh, the the humans or the, the uh, they're a group called purists and in uh, my books versus uh, post-humans and uh, you know even androids and and it's just a uh, it, it really is um, it's almost like a smorgasbord of just, just about every sort of vision that you've heard about um, but worked into a very uh, fast-paced and and actually uh, clear narrative I mean that, that sounds like it, it might be really confusing to examine all of those things but I, I like to um, have arcs and twists and turns um, you know we 're dealing with one issue maybe we 're dealing with uh, you know AI we think, and then the next moment we 're dealing with uh, you know the dangers of uh, nanotechnology or what does it mean to be human and uh, And after we think we 've dealt with all of those issues, then we find out that there's there 's even more the nature of um, reality versus uh, virtual reality too I mean all of those things
0: are covered mm-hmm. So uh, I have to admit that, that I haven't uh, had the chance to read your book yet, but uh, let me um, ask you this. Robert J. Sawyer, uh, I recently attended an event with him actually just a couple of days ago here downtown Toronto, mm. and he sort of leveled the criticism um, against uh, as he co- what he called the previous 200 years of science fiction, <laughs> uh, starting with uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Mm-hmm. Um uh, which basically is is always uh, in his opinion, the vast majority of science fiction has been apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. And And when it comes to, you know singularity or AI related science fiction, we've had uh, three major scenarios. We have the, the Terminator scenarios in which the AI wants to exterminate us. We have the matrix scenario in which they want to subjugate us or enslave us one way or another. And you have the Borg scenario in which they want to assimilate us Mm -hmm. into the collective. But there is no um, uh, popular, at least, uh, alternative in a sense of a peaceful uh, coexistence between humans and AIs. And that was the motivation for him to write his trilogy, WWW, Wake, Watch and Wonder. Because he thought that that is actually, in his opinion, the most likely case for a number of reasons which he posits uh, throughout his books. Um, And he criticized the sort of fear-mongering of of the traditional 200 years of science fiction. So (laughs) since, broadly speaking, your book would fall within that camp, uh, call it the, the Matrix Terminator bork scenarios broadly speaking what would your answer to that criticism be uh well
1: you know uh you're right that broadly speaking i do fit into that category but i also uh uh, i also fit into his fourth category um as well uh i i'm everywhere (laughs) in these two books um, and so I can't say to him that uh, that I disagree. I, I know what he's talking about. Um, you know, I am not so sure that uh, um, is it fear mongering. I mean, maybe a little bit, but um, you know, there there is a downside to these kinds of technology. You know, he, uh, Hugo de talks about it, and he's uh, uh, you know, when when I listen to Hugo de I mean, when you listen to him for a while, when he's talking about um, you know the dangers of uh, of AI. Uh, it's I just wish I could disagree with them on so many points, but it's hard to. But at the same time, I don't disagree with uh, the more optimistic ideas. Um, I don't disagree with Robert J. Sawyer's, and I don't disagree with uh, uh, Ray Kurzweil's either. Um, I think that they're you know, it is a double-edged sword. Um, it, it can go either way. And exploring the dangers is, is important um, and it also just happens to be more entertaining but uh, you can find uh, ways of exploring the issues that that you know aren't fear-mongering too and that do make you feel a little more comfortable and you know you get all of that in posthuman and and uh, and in transhuman um, just as a, as a side which I think is is uh, it, when I think about Frankenstein which is what you mentioned in some of these science fiction uh, uh classic science fiction books uh when when I was at UBC I, I got to go see David Suzuki uh, you know every, I, needs no introduction especially in in Canada uh you know probably Canada's national scientist and he was uh talking about um just the the nature of education and uh he was talking about um you know how you know people that are in the arts really need to start getting involved in these important issues about the future just like the scientists are um, but what I, I found really funny about his talk was that he referenced uh, Frankenstein and <laughs> 1984, Fahrenheit 451, Brave New World. He referenced all of them, but then didn't seem to realize that you know those are those are all books. That's literature. Uh, you know we we are engaged in these things and have been engaged in those kind of talks for a long time. So I I think you know it's um, uh, nothing is. Um, Nothing's off the table with English. That's why I love literature and
0: there's a dark side.
1: You should explore that too.
0: So, so transhuman is the sequel to post-human. Yeah. Um, now, my understanding of the terms is that mm. transhuman comes before post-human.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, how is it that the second book is called Transhuman rather than the first one, and why?
1: Yeah, you're not the first person that's uh, that said that to me. I've had some readers ask me that question before. Um, well, you know, people that read the books will will understand that there's a reason. But I can tell you as a as a writer why uh, that was a choice that I made too. And and the reason why was because um, in in the books we really are exploring the nature of humanity. You know, in a in a In a fun way, hopefully in an action backed act way uh, but but we are exploring it and in the first book um, y- you know the the attitude is really that once we've changed ourselves in these sorts of ways you know once we have immortality, once we have onboard mental computers we're not human anymore um, you know that well there are humans and then there's us and we're something else so we're post human and we're different and uh, and so the the titles really reflect more of um you know, like, a, I, I guess I would say, um, an evolving realization that uh, well, you know, maybe we're not really post-human, um, just because, uh, you know, we've um, because we're changing. Um, the The epigraph at the, the beginning of um, a transhuman uh, is a quote from Charles Dubois, but it says, the most important thing is this to be ready at any moment to, um, abandon what we are for what we could become and uh, and you know I think that's a very human concept uh, and that there's you know there's no sin to having nanotechnology um, you know that's just a personal opinion and it's the opinion of some of the characters and there's other characters of course who who disagree and I try to give you know all, all of those uh, different voices um, uh, a hearing but um, but that's what it's about so it's a this idea that you know we aren't human anymore and then kind of coming back a little bit and thinking well maybe maybe we're still human and that's why so that, that's why I am I'm reversed on the on that, the terms that that's are in very class.
0: interesting I, I I very much like that that take on it it's it's worth uh, it's worth looking into it definitely yeah I like that um, so is there a third book coming after transhuman <laughs>
1: Uh, the the reason the reason I laugh a little bit is because I get asked that question a lot and um, uh, I think it's it, it's really great when uh, one of my readers is is asking is there going to be a sequel to uh, Transhuman um, but uh, you know I think that Transhuman at least in my and, and I know this is a, a bit of a disappointing answer for those people but I I tried to take <clears throat> Transhuman as far as I could, <clears throat> towards um, the singularity. Uh, and I, I I do disagree with people who think that you can write post-singularity. Um, I, I just think that's because, uh, you know, you, I, I don't think that quite understands the, the concept. I mean, the idea is... Uh, you know, it's not the singularity if you or I could understand it. Um, you know, at least that's the the definition that I'm working from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when when the singularity comes, I don't think we'll know it's it came. Um, you know, because it will it will be. I guess you were saying that soft takeoff, but sort of like this, you know, a smooth trans transition. I think it will be that way anyway. I don't think there will be a day where you know the government makes us become robots or something like that. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it'll be, um, uh, I, I think it'll be really smooth. And so in transhuman, um, you know, I, I tried to push my imagination right to, uh, you know, a scenario for, uh, you know, what would be, I guess, what you'd call like a hard takeoff, like some, something, you know, where um, you know, to write much more of it or to write a whole other novel, I would have to have augmented my own brain and, you know, have, uh, have increased my intelligence. So, you know, maybe at some point though, I, I, don't want to close my mind to it. I do think about it sometimes. And I've thought of, you know, uh, I thought of sort of scenarios where maybe maybe even that isn't quite the singularity and we can push it even further. And the the, the good news though for readers is that there will be a prequel though. Uh, I'm really interested in how we get from right here to how we get to uh the the setting that we have in post human. And uh, I actually do have that book all all plotted out and planned out and it's going to focus on uh a character uh, that is nicknamed Old Timer, and uh, people who've read the books will, will remember him. And uh, we go back and we find out about his backstory, and he lives through our time period, and then ends up in that in that post-human scenario. So, um, so and it's you know I think it might be the most exciting one of the books once it once it's finished.
0: Fantastic. Do we have a working title on it?
1: Uh, we do. Uh, the working title is Subhuman. 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 Yeah. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I find that I do change my titles usually when I'm, as mm-hmm. I'm, as I'm writing the books.
0: Fascinating. So, uh, for those of us uh, who would like to follow up on your upcoming work and discover more mm-hmm. about your previous work and about yourself, what's the best place to go and get more information?
1: Uh, well, I've got a website. and. Uh, the website is post-humannovel.com, um, and uh, you know, uh, if you go to that website, um, Posthuman is available for free as a, an e-version of that. Um, and I know people love free stuff, uh, so it's it's completely available. And, and in fact, that was just uh, just yesterday that I, I released it for free. Um, there's a PDF version. If people just, you know, if you don't have a Kindle yet or a tablet or any of those things, and you just want to read it on your on your PC, um, that's possible. But there's also a Kindle version that you can get right from my website for free. I would have it on Amazon for free if I could. I just uh, I, I didn't have the ability to make that happen. Um, but uh, but you can get it from my website. You can read excerpts of. Uh, the God Killers and Transhuman there as well, and and read a whole bunch of reviews, and and connect to my blog, and connect to Facebook on there as well. Um, and then, as far as uh, getting your hands on a copy of The God Killers or Transhuman, the best thing to do is go to Amazon.com. Uh, there's Kindle versions for, for ninety nine cents, so uh, that's that's the cheapest way of getting them. But you can also get uh, you can get paperback versions too. Um, it's possible too if you're if you're old school.
0: Fantastic. So, David, I'd like to close our interview today with um, the following question. Sure. Do you have a single message that you would like our viewers and listeners to take away from this interview today? Um,
1: yeah, I think so. I mean, I uh, I, 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 think it's um, amazing that... Uh, uh, that I'm in, included in this uh, series of uh, interviews with, with these incredible science fiction writers that you've been talking to recently about the, the singularity. And, you know, a, the message that, that I would love somebody to, to take from this um, isn't so much about the singularity. It's more, uh, it's more just inspiration um, because, uh, you know, my, my background, uh, my biography, I don't really talk about it, too much um, in in public, but uh, uh, you know I'm a I'm a high school dropout, and uh, uh, you know I I also have a master's degree though from the University of British Columbia. Should I have got up there <laughs> on the wall behind me, um, and uh, I've written you know three books, and I've reached uh, I've reached an an audience which has been a blast. It's been just so much fun, and and so the uh, the message I love people to take from this is um, you know, whatever it is that you want to do whatever your, whatever your dreams are or whatever your goals are uh, just keep working towards them and uh, you know, eventually you'll get there I, I might not be all the way there yet but I feel like I'm getting there so, so, so that's the message I'd, I'd love for everybody to take
0: Fantastic thank you very much for being with us here today David
1: Thanks so much for having me Nicola.